Welcome to Restart Radio, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Ugo Vallauri from the Restart Project, and today I'm your host. I'm joined by Andrew Hatton, Head of IT at Greenpeace UK. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Hugo. Hi, nice to be here. Great to have you with us, Andrew. So uh, today, uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about Greenpeace's uh, long-term efforts in campaigning for greening the cloud and uh, previous work on greening or looking at manufacturers of gadgets and looking at green practices in that area. And we're also going to focus on some important news related to the right to repair. Um, and let's start with that. In fact, uh, yesterday was the 10th of December. Um, some of us, uh, myself and a few others from around Europe, were uh, in front of the Council of the European Union, where member states were voting on uh, new regulations, potentially bringing right to repair into legislation uh, for the very first time. And we were there with a surprise protest to remind uh, uh, member states that uh, they shouldn't accept the lobbying of industry and manufacturers trying to reduce this repair provision and ensuring as much as possible that uh, repair is brought into legislation uh, particularly for accessing spare parts, accessing repair material, repair uh, information materials, and forcing manufacturers to create design for devices that makes repair possible and reducing the amount of time uh, required for disassembling a product. Because we had heard, we, we had seen, unfortunately, that um, in recent months, uh, there had been a decline in the kind of uh, quality of the drafts in legislations, pointing to uh, disassembly just for the sake of recycling a product and not really for pushing uh, for more repairable products, uh, as well as trying to limit the amount of information that consumers and users of products can have about how to repair specific products. It was a small initial step towards making repair more visible in the agenda of legislators. And we created the surprise protest with repair, community repair organizations from across Europe, uh, specifically from Belgium, from the UK, with support from NGOs like the EEB and ECHOS who have been working on policy on this and also working with campaigners from Germany who traveled all the way from Berlin to join us and bring the message that over 110,000 people had already signed uh, as a petition to the Minister of Environment. Andrew, uh, the, the big story is still unfolding because as it happens, unfortunately, we don't have the text of the approved uh, legislation uh, because it's a long process. 
that will still require the EU Parliament to um, provide a final validation. But we've heard uh, via some tweets from people in the Commission, as well as uh, comments from member states that actually repair has made progress into this legislation on fridges, very exciting topic, and that initial level of right to repair is brought in legislation and we are concerned of how much we're actually seeing, but it's a positive step that shows how citizens' pressure alongside the work of uh, small but extremely dedicated teams of NGOs uh, can actually bring the amount of pressure uh, that's needed to change the status quo something that you have seen over and over again at Greenpeace. Absolutely, yes. And um, I saw uh, your tweets um, this morning on your um, event yesterday. So firstly, congratulations um, on that. I think, am I right in saying it was your first event of that kind um, that the community um, has done? Yeah, it's definitely the very first the right to repair protest that yeah. we know of. Certainly the first one across uh, uh, Europe, for sure. Well, c congratulations on that. I think it's um, really important that obviously legislators and the people helping draw up the policy are really clear on um, you know what people want and what they think. And it's a really nice example of people power which, as you say, is something that Greenpeace has been involved in since its very start um, back in the late 60s, early 70s. I would like to play a small excerpt from the sound of the protests yesterday. Let's see if we can. Long live the French! Long live the French! Long live the French! Long live the French! So you could see the excitement in people being involved with the protest. We uh, showed up unexpected in front of the Council of the European Union with a very sad fridge, uh, which we some of us had painted uh, eyes and a sad face to a broken fridge. And people were really excited by the opportunity of actually sharing the frustration that's shared by so many people around the world. I mean, we have approximately 77% of the European population that actually believes that we need more repairable products, certainly no less. And it must be frustrating at times when you know, you know that the vast majority of people need a change, but manufacturers in this case or legislators are trying to hold back and uh, kind of building the momentum and keeping everyone excited so have you do you have like a specific uh, memory of one action that greenpeace uh, uk um, has been uh, creating that that's particularly dear to you yes i mean i've got a few um, but one that really stands out for me, actually, is a action that we took about five years ago now on uh, Regent Street, London's uh, Regent Street, outside the Apple store, um, when we were calling on Apple to um, 
and clean their cloud. Um, so the cloud is the um, kind of servers um, and computers that many of our devices use for their services. And we were asking Apple to make sure that their cloud was a clean cloud, not run on coal. And what we did is we released lots of uh, black balloons into the Apple Store um, and also handed out leaflets and flyers to people in the Apple Store and pretended to be uh, Apple geniuses, which is the staff um, on hand in Apple to answer your hard tech questions. But we were telling people about um, Apple's uh, cloud. So that really stands out for me. People were really, customers were super interested and engaged um, in, uh, in what we were saying. Yeah, that's excellent. And actually, you mentioned Apple, uh, which is often uh, a topic of conversations at Restart Radio. Um, it just so happens that we've read uh, this week uh, uh, about, well, last week, actually, about um, terrifying news of an agreement between Amazon and Apple. As part of this agreement, Amazon will start selling directly Apple products through its vast empire and alongside that in return should we say uh, refurbishers that are not authorized uh, by apple will be kicked out of the online uh, stores that uh, as as retailers which is very much in line with this attitude towards the right to repair as in yeah. the right for Apple to decide not for people to have a choice on where their products, particularly secondhand, comes from. And so it's really worrying that some of the most powerful companies are creating deals between themselves to further increase their position of monopoly and at a time when thriving platforms are where people look for alternatives as well. And because Amazon tends to have this strong uh, uh, support from parts of the public due to their customer service, and it's not seen as a big problem, and we'll talk about the cloud in a moment, but this is particularly worrying because it didn't make it to mainstream media at all, and people don't seem to care so much about this. It's um, yeah, it's really sad um, because, you know, Apple like to talk a lot about their first class customer service and their focus on the customer. Um, and yet I'm sure if you were to ask their customers, actually, they would want the right to be able to repair their devices um, in many different ways, not just going into a Apple store um, or through, you know, the Apple um, store online. And this is really anti customer choice fundamentally it, you're very much uh in, i mean agreeing completely with you and to add to that i'd say that there is this glorification of customer care so that if you have a problem you can always return a product uh but there's two problems with that one that we don't know necessarily what happens to that returned product and Sure, consumer rights organizations have been historically promoting that um, and pushing for consumers to be able to ask for their money back or to have a new device if something goes wrong. But we'd like something a bit more radical. We'd like to ensure that if a 
product is broken doesn't go to waste and it can be repaired as the first default option. Yeah. And that's not really in line with this super last minute um, uh, efforts to, to get quick turnaround of devices. It's We've heard stories from Amazon Germany of a lot of products discarded that actually ended up as waste when they could have had a second lease of life. It's not unique to Amazon, but it shows a huge problem that it's not yet surfacing uh, for most people. Absolutely. I mean, really, it's pushing the consumption of a new device over and above the repair of something that you already have or that already exists. So it's, you know, from an environmental perspective, um, it's definitely the wrong thing to be doing. And finally, before we get into more details about your specific work, uh, I mentioned a petition uh, that the German activists have delivered to their Minister of Environment around the right to repair. And so the vote uh, yesterday was a first in a series of votes that will continue till January. And one of the things that did happen was that this pressure from German citizens uh, through the Schrober Lurker petition um, has pushed the government to include provision for repairability as what they stand for when they publish their action plan on plastics. So it's starting to come together, even though we're at a time when uh, there's uh, so much more attention on single-use plastic as the one and only problem to solve. Uh, and people tend to forget about electrical waste and, and, and its impact. It's starting to come back together. Similarly, last week, Italian activists linked to the Restart Network, Restarters Milan, and their partners, Giacimenti Urbani, managed to deliver a similar petition to the one that Restart had started in the UK, um, collecting, however, 79,000 signatures of Italian citizens demanding that their government stops blocking efforts to put repairability into legislation at European level. And the Minister of Environment did have to take this on board. We don't know yet whether this has had any direct impact in Italy's position. We're waiting to see the details. But it's showing that around Europe, different countries, people are increasingly tired of attempts to limit their freedom to repair and reuse the things that they already have. And there is a time when all of this is getting more organized and Manufacturers, meanwhile, seem to be almost taking the wrong steps uh, on purpose. I mean, they're creating all of these extreme examples of how wrong the current system is. And I guess you've seen quite a lot of these approaches yourself. Um, we have. We uh, p publish um, a regular report um, on the state of um, IT um, so that's both um, clean cloud reports, which we'll talk about in a moment, but also on devices as well. 
Um, and we should have another one coming out, I think, towards the end of 2019. And in these reports, we, we use a ranking system and we rank the manufacturers according to, you know, the kind of materials they're using, their effort and focus on um, recycling. And we, you know, we regularly see that there are leaders in this space and then there are laggards and some major names that, that you would expect to be leaders in this space are just... Um, you know, holding back and not um, really doing uh, their part despite selling uh, millions of devices. Uh, you know, they, it's not that they don't have the capability or capacity. You're listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. Uh, today we're here with Andrew Hatton uh, from Greenpeace UK. Andrew, uh, tell us a bit more about your campaigning work on uh, greening the cloud. So you had a report out in uh, 2017. Uh, what were the main findings from that report? Yeah, let me, before I talk about that, just step back a little and um, briefly explain kind of where we started from. Um, it might also be worth saying just a couple of um, sentences about myself. You know, I'm not um, a, if you like, um, a professional campaigner, but um, everyone at Greenpeace basically becomes a campaigner um, is one of the great things about working for the organisation. And it's been a really um, interesting and important part of my life um, over the last five to six years to be involved in this area of campaigning for Greenpeace. And some people are perhaps surprised that Greenpeace um, is campaigning in this area because they might know the organisation best from its work around climate change or maybe going back even further to the 80s, Save the Whale, that kind of thing. But Greenpeace has actually been actively involved in um, campaigning for greener electronics for well over 10 years um, and specifically around um, calling for a cleaner cloud for about seven years now. Um, when we came out with our first report um, on um, the challenges with uh, the cloud at the time. And some people, um, you know, were quite surprised. Um, we, we had to go into quite a lot of detail in that report explaining what the cloud was and why this mattered. Um, and that it wasn't, uh, you know, just this thing that uh, was somewhere else and someone else's problem, but actually from a environmental perspective, we all use these services, whether it's through our phones or through our laptops or desktops, and that actually having a renewable cloud, one that was run on renewable energy and not coal, um, was really important. And we were seeing as the cloud was growing at such breakneck speed, we were seeing that there was, um, you know, a real problem here um, that needed to be solved uh, fundamentally. So one of the things that uh, strikes me is we all use these services. Yeah. And uh, there's not so many alternatives that uh, we can choose um, we met uh, about a couple of months ago at MOSFEST and uh, we were discussing the very compromises that every organization, including uh, Greenpeace, has to, to choose at times. 
Yes, um, and it's it's not easy. You know, it's not easy for an organisation like Greenpeace either in making the right choices when it comes to the kind of um, IT equipment that we might be buying. You know, whether that's phones or laptops, we need uh, these tools to do our job, um, and we we need to use cloud services. And we try very hard internally to make sure we make the right procurement decisions, the right purchasing decisions. And, you know, I've seen um, that we've actually moved suppliers where they haven't been running their um, technology on um, on renewables. We've actually moved data centers, for example, or we've held back and lobbied organizations. So, for example, when we moved to our CRM provider, uh, we didn't make that a change until we were satisfied that, that they were actually running, um, that they had made a, a serious commitment towards uh, renewables. But even so, it's still a challenge. And, you know, it's it's difficult because sometimes some of the services that we subscribe to, we don't always know um, what they're running at the back end. And they themselves sometimes might be using third parties um, and those third parties might be using other suppliers. And so when you think about it end to end, it's actually really difficult to get this kind of complete picture. I mean, we try, uh, but it's it's difficult. So part of uh, the report um, was this infamous uh, scorecard yes. uh, that depending on the kind of services yes, that you're looking at um, gives some indications of how um, some cloud providers are faring a bit better than others or at times drastically better or worse than others at least. Uh, were there some key highlights that you'd like to remind our listeners? Yes, so the scorecard is an approach that we use to rank um, companies um, and we rank them against a number of different criteria such as their energy supply, um, their transparency around their energy and that's a real problem with some suppliers, um, a lack of transparency whereas other suppliers have been um, fairly transparent with us and also we rank companies as well on their advocacy which is really important going back to what you started this radio show with um, you know we uh, need companies to actually push governments push policy makers and we found that some companies um, uh, like Google Salesforce have been leaders and then other companies like Amazon Web Services have so far been laggards you know, and what we need is basically for all the companies to step up and make sure that they're doing their utmost, uh, that we, you know, we have a Internet that we can all be proud of and that's run um, on renewables. You mentioned Amazon Web Services and a lot of people ignore the amount of share uh, that they control of the overall Internet. It's a phenomenal amount. I mean, it's it's huge and growing. Um, the pace of growth um, there is just mind-boggling. And there are particular areas that are challenging. One um, area that's particularly challenging for us, and indeed we've got a report coming out just on this particular challenge, um, I think in end of January, early February, is around um, Virginia 
in the um, United States, which is really the data center capital of the world, which many people wouldn't necessarily know that. But something like 70% it's thought of internet traffic passes through Virginia. It's wow. There are hundreds of data centers there and um, it's rapidly expanding and Amazon themselves have a lot of data centers there. But the challenge there is, ar is around the amount of um, renewable energy that supplies that grid, that supplies those data centers. And um, we are basically campaigning hard to make sure that we are not creating a long-term problem for ourselves um, as these data centers are being constructed. I, I kind of think back to the 60s and 70s when road building programs were all the rage and you ended up with towns that we look back now and we can think those were really bad decisions to build towns where you had to have a car that were built on the highway or the freeway. And I think we are in danger of, of making similar mistakes when we look back now and we'll see that there are places where there are data centers where basically they, either they shouldn't be there or we should have really focused on greening the grid in those areas and we didn't. And some of the players that you scored quite negatively, I'm just looking at video streaming right now, are companies such as Netflix that have become, since the report was announced, a lot more prominent and they're every day in the news. Is Greenpeace able to uh, put more pressure on uh, these players as they become more prominent? I'm pleased you mentioned this because video streaming, you know, is something that we all do and is an increasing amount of internet traffic. I think um, over 60% now of internet traffic is basically video um, streaming. It's a huge amount. You know, we're obviously doing this now on our smart TVs, etc. Um, we are putting pressure on these organisations, um, but we need that the help of of people you know ordinary people mums and dads um around the world um but we also need the help of companies as well that use services like aws and to make sure that they're asking them the tough questions about where their energy comes from what their plans are to ensure that there's going to be a a, a green um a green cloud and going back to uh, the initial theme of right to repair, uh, in your capacity as uh, Greenpeace head of IT in the UK, uh, recently there was uh, a similar regulation uh, from uh, that was approved at EU level on servers. And I believe you had some experience of the pressure that the tech industry tries to bring to people and companies yes i did and and slightly out of the blue i think i got a um an email um from a uk um, um industry body tech uk um that was really asking me to effectively lobby um for you know to weaken um the forthcoming legislation which i found just um outrageous really and very disappointing um, and not something that we should be doing at all. Well, probably there was a mistake in the person that sent it to you rather than some other person. Maybe, yes, that's always possible. Well, it goes to show we, we hear 
often from uh, the tech industry in trying to bring arguments around uh, safety of products and why uh, they should be glued and uh, not accessible to people trying to repair and extend the life of products. But you were mentioning also uh, specific restrictions on upgrading devices. Yes, this particular um, legislation was around um, the the uh, freedom to easily upgrade server com components and servers, which anyone who's kind of worked in this area will know that it's really important um, to be able to upgrade um, these kind of um, devices. Um, you know, they have a long life. Um, they have, uh, they've got a lot of embodied um, energy in them. You want to keep them running for a long time and you want to be able to easy, easily upgrade them as, you know, myself way back, but my team now do, um, you know, fairly regularly. And the thought of these kind of enterprise devices um, being a kind of glued together and not being able to be um, upgraded and parts easily swapped out, I just find outrageous. Um, it's totally the wrong direction to be going in. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Andrew, for sharing your insights and stories around this. Um, you can follow us at Restart Project on Twitter and the restartproject.org on our website for updates on the right to repair. In the next few days, we'll have more. And meanwhile, if you need help uh, fixing anything with a plug in a battery, including headphones, radio, and old audio equipment, our next restart party in London is only in January, in Hackney on the 19th of January. But in the meantime, you can visit a repair cafe in Portsmouth on the 15th of December and one in Oxford on the 6th of January. Thanks to Optonoise and Cassini Sound for our music, which was made with lasers, spinning plastic discs and discard electronics. We're here live every second Tuesday of the month at 5pm. Until next month. <laughs>